Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of the Racket Magazine podcast is brought to you by Sergio Tacchini, offering iconic tracksuits, classic polos, and the new Youngline sneaker. Originally designed in the mid-1980s, it's our favorite spring silhouette, and it's back. You can get it now at SergioTacchini.com, and follow them on Instagram at SergioTacchini underscore official for updates. Enter the promo code RACKETMAG at checkout, and you'll get 30% off your order. You guys are going to love this every match in Australia. I was crying before every match. Today's episode is with Sophia Kennan, yeah. the possible only Grand Slam champion of the year. I mean, let's see what <laughs> happens with the rest of the calendar year. Yeah. But um, she, along with Novak Djokovic, won the Australian Open. She did it in a way that surprised a lot of people, but she didn't surprise you. She did not surprise me. Look, you know, I at the start of the tournament, I did not pick her. And I wouldn't have said, oh yeah, definitely. Sophia Cannon's going to win this tournament. There's no way that you would have guessed that. Well, you can't say that about the women's tour at all. You can't I mean, say one person. So you many. Can say, the, I could see ten people winning this tournament, and you'd be right. One hundred percent. And that is actually what gets said in yeah. production meetings at ESPN or with my friends. You know, say so who do you think's going to win? And literally, my legit answer is I don't know. Yeah. There's a number of people that can win. Once it got to um, the Coco match for Cannon. Uh, that's when everyone was like, ooh, you know, here's the new situation with this young up-and-coming player against another young and up-and-coming player, and who's going to win this, who's going to handle it? I said, Kenan's going to handle this. Yeah. I just, she, to me, as somebody, I watched, I coached against her. I've seen her in tough situations. I've heard about her for a long time, whether it be from Kathy Rinaldi or Lisa Raymond or people at Fed Cup, mm-hmm. and they're just all always, like, the first thing they say about her, she's so tough, you have no idea. Yeah. Um, and it's true. I've yeah. seen it now many times. She's not afraid. I, I say this every time I talk about her. She's not afraid of anything. Yeah. She's not afraid of anyone. <laughs> and she's not afraid of a moment. Yeah. You know, whatever's going on, she'll go out there and she'll, you know what you're going to get from Kenan, which is 100% every single time. 100% she'll effort. never give up. Yeah. Um, and she has the weapons. Yeah. And she's a great, she'll throw in a slice forehand on the run. Like, mm-hmm. she's not afraid to play ugly. Yeah. You know what I mean? She's kind of like the epitome of Brad Gilbert's winning ugly <laughs> because she really does. Yeah. And then sometimes she plays incredible points and you're just like, holy shit. Yeah. I mean, the two-all game in the third set of the Australian Open was yeah. indicative of really who she is. That was an incredible yeah. match. Garbino, Magruza, and Sophia Kennan going yeah. to three. Uh, Garbino won the first set. I kind of thought, okay, she's maybe more experienced. She's got two grand slams in her belt. I'm going to give her the slight edge. And I was wrong. I I picked it. I texted a couple of friends. Yeah, you and I texted a little bit about that. You said, no way, Kennan's got this. I said, Kennan, someone said, who's going to win? And I said, Djokovic and Kennan. Those were my two picks. I mean, obviously, Djokovic, that was an easy pick. But I said, Kennan. I just just felt like, even though it's her first time playing in a final, I just felt like she knew she could win that match against Muguruza. And sure, Muguruza's been nails in finals, a grand slam. She's been unbelievable. And she played great. And And she's had a good year so far. And she's had a great year. And, um, you know, she's back. There's no question about that. But I just felt this was Sophia Kennan's time. I just felt she went through the tournament just, I don't know, she just had this special vibe about her. And we interviewed her a couple of times at ESPN. She's just, for me, she's a special kid. I, I like her a lot as a person. Yeah. She's uh, very respectful, um, looks you in the eye. Very similar to Coco in a lot yeah. of ways as well. So we've got a great young 
a yeah. couple of players coming through, Americans. Totally. Um, she obviously has that Russian inside of her. There's no question about <laughs> yeah. it. That juxtaposition of, you know, that Russian upbringing with her parents and her dad in particular, obviously, yeah. who's around her all the time. Yeah. But she's a fun-loving kid as well. Yeah. So there's that American side of it. So well. you guys did this interview after I left California. Mm. What can you? What can we expect? We're going to throw it in, in a second. But how, how? How was it? It was great. And I mean, there's some stories. I just love getting into the minutiae of some of the emotion of, of players yeah. um, and get finding out their true feelings, the way they they handle totally. stuff. And she's going to tell you a lot of interesting stories, and one of them about how she approached every match of the Australian Open. And to me, it was. Mind blowing, yeah, it's just unbelievable. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't well, want to say it because I want to, you all to listen to it because it's it's pretty awesome. All right, um, without uh, without further ado, here is Renee with Sophia Kennett. Uh, echoey, anyway. All right, um, hi, how are you? <laughs> I want to welcome everybody to another edition of the Racket Magazine podcast, and I am. Um, been very nicely joined here in Indian Wells because I'm catching up with everybody as much as I can with this craziness that's going on with Sophia Kennan, Sonia Kennan. Can you, okay, before we even get started, <laughs> thanks for joining me. Thank you, of course. Thank you. Tell me the difference, Sonia, Sophia, because so many people get so confused about it. Well, Sophia's my name, Sonia's a Russian nickname. It's like Alex, Sasha. So it's not that big of a deal. Everyone keeps asking me the same question. Well, we Which just, is pretty annoying. <laughs> we just want to clear it up. That's why. We want to clear it up for everybody. For the fans and everyone, Sophia's better. Sophia's and better. people who know me, uh, Sonia's better. Yeah. So. Well, I, I, I don't you know. Call me Sonia. I, I call you Sonia. Yeah. I call you so- I Just whatever comes out of my mouth. But that's very <laughs> typically Australian. Um, we usually have nicknames for everybody. and Nobody knows what the hell we're talking about, so it's fine. Um, okay, well, let's get into, like, just everything a little bit. Um, your story is unique in some ways, and in some ways it's not because a lot of Russian players have moved to the United States or have eventually moved there. Give me the, your upbringing, like, early on and how you came to literally live in the U.S. Um, yeah, I was born in Russia. Um, my parents wanted to move to U.S., give me the American dream. And, yeah, I moved there when I was a, when I was a baby, so I don't really remember much in Russia. I have videos, of course, from Russia when I was doing Snowman and everything. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even watch that because it's too embarrassing to watch that. But, um, yeah, I mean, they moved uh, when I was a baby. And then, yeah, that's when tennis kind of kicked off and I mean, where I am today. So. And your dad literally or your parents literally said that? Like, we want to move to the we wanted to move to the United States to give you an American dream? Yes, they said that. They told me they wanted to do that. And did your... I mean... Uh, I'm assuming it was more like your dad's like thought process to get you into tennis. Most likely my dad, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't playing with any other toys. I always played with different balls. And, um, yeah, I was hitting with the racket. So, I mean, he was like, let's see how, let's see tennis. So I, I started. And, of course, my mom was involved at the beginning. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I was little. We, were, we weren't traveling like the way I'm traveling right now. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, she was involved. And then, obviously, when things took off, she obviously had to stay home and I'm traveling with my dad everywhere. Yeah. How's that on your mom? Like, that you're away so much and your dad's with you the whole time? and Or does your mom actually enjoy that? Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I'm sure she misses me. I miss her as well. Um, yeah, I mean... She... I like that you said she misses you. <laughs> <laughs> I said I miss her too. No, no, she misses you, you miss her, but you didn't yeah. say she misses me and my dad. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she misses me more. I'll say that. More than my dad, but... um. Yeah, I mean, she's uh, she's just happy for me and she supports me. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's not like I'm traveling with anyone else. It's my dad. So yeah. it's it's a good team. Yeah. Explain that a little bit. I mean, I obviously see you a lot on tour. I see you interact with your father. I see the way that you guys are away from the tennis court or I see you laughing a lot. I see that you kind of have this really great relationship. But also it must be unbelievably hard because I also see him on the court. He's a lot. Like he's a lot of information for you. Yes. How do you process that? Because that's a very difficult relationship to deal with because you can basically tell your dad to go fuck off if you want. I mean, really, you yeah. could, but you. But there's also times where you have to respect everything coming out of his mouth. Like, how difficult is that? Yeah, I mean, it's not easy, obviously. Uh, sometimes uncle coaching is not the best from his side. I I got to somehow take it in, uh, swallow it in, and just do the best I can to win. Uh, I mean, you remember that coaching in a... But let, let, me tell people, let me tell people this. My, one of my, this is, without question, my favourite on-court coaching, if that's what we call it. Although 
I did speak to Irina Sabalenka yesterday and she had a situation with her coach that he came out and didn't say a word to her. So along those lines, you were playing Sam Stoza, who was coaching in Guangzhou last year, and your dad came out at a set and 3-2 and literally took every single racket out of your bag. Didn't say a word to you, just hit that on his hand to figure out, I guess, which racket was tighter. I guess, yeah. Did you even know what he was doing? I mean, I figured, yeah, I mean, the ball was flying a little bit. So, um, yeah, I'm sure I had a feeling what he was doing. So he, he went through every racket and then he grabbed, I don't know, the third one that he pulled out <laughs> and he just handed it to you and he just walked off. He didn't say a word to you, right? No, I don't remember him saying anything. He just said here and then he left. So, um, yeah, I was like, okay, I'll take this racket. <laughs> well, it was funny yesterday. I brought this, that subject up to him yeah, and he said uh, it worked. And I said, yeah, it did, damn it. It did work. <laughs> But that was kind of that was kind of a unique moment for me to watch. But yeah. also, I think that you know he obviously knows you better than anyone. So can he bring out the best in you, and that's why you stay with him, and you don't want to think about even ha having somebody else with you. Um, yeah, I mean, I know he knows me better than anyone. He knows exactly how I'm feeling, how I am on court, and everything. But obviously, eventually, like to have like to bring someone, mm -hmm. you know with me and my coach you know I feel like that'd be that'd be helpful but of course him he's there supporting me and I don't ever want to take that away from him because mm -hmm. he's done a lot for me and got me to where I am today and yeah we have a good relationship how does he feel about that like you knowing that at some point you know you're getting older and you sort of want a little bit more independence but also maybe a different voice at some point does he understand that? Like, does he want that for you? Um, I'm sure he does, but obviously it's hard for him to let go. So yeah. it's not easy. It's, um, yeah, it's uh, a lot of battles, I think, coming up ahead. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to be, but obviously I'm not going to go all at one. I got to, you know, take small steps. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah I mean, obviously certain stuff that I do want to change and he's going to have to be okay with it. Eventually. Yeah. Well, I think that's true of everybody, though. A lot of players do eventually do that. Where Maria Sharapova was very well known and documented that her dad was very much involved in her career, but then slowly sort of brought in other coaches. And so it's definitely, it's happened before. Yeah. Um, go back a little bit to your junior days because you're not the tallest. What are you, five, five? Five, six, I think. Five, six, five, are you seven. Five, six? Five, seven? Five, six, okay, five, seven. okay. <laughs> Just want to check because Lisa Raymond always joked that she was five, five in her media guide, but she really, really wasn't. But... I think I'm over five, five. Okay, you're over five. <laughs> it's gone from five, six and five, seven to over five, five. <laughs> but how do you like, you know, explain to people that are not involved in tennis that someone smaller and you know ash Barty, look number one in the world she's probably about your height mm -hmm. like how do you explain to people that tennis is not about you know this physique that you have to have you have to be tall you have to be you know athletic you have to be what to be a great tennis player uh, you have to have the skills of course i think that's number one you have to have the touch um yeah height doesn't matter obviously uh beginning it always felt like it mattered you know where Pova, who's the tallest so um, but obviously, as people started playing, you know, Sabakova made some damage on tour, and yeah, Ashbardi. I mean, it, the height doesn't matter; it just matters how you, you know, how you see the court, how you, you know, deal with uh, pressure mentally. You know, I think that's obviously head is a big part of tennis. So mm. um, yeah, you gotta have the head. So it's nothing to do with height. Where do you get that fearlessness from? Like, because I think that's one thing about you that is really clear to a lot of us that have sort of been around the game a long time is that. You have this incredible fearlessness at, in moments. Do you, where does that come from? I feel like I've had that, you know, once I started, I never, I never gave up. Um, that's something that I never trained. It's not like we had to work on it where I was losing matches because I gave up. I never gave up. Um, um, I've obviously worked on it, try to improve and try to shine in like the toughest mo moments like I did against McGrews at that two-all game. Yeah, we're going to get to that. No, don't worry. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> no, but I mean, I can't even watch the highlights. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, yeah those points obviously changed everything for me. So I, obviously I, I, it showed I, who I am there. I want to I want to <laughs> save that for a little later in this podcast because that was quite a significant moment, obviously, in your life. But I, wa I want to build up to like what, where being fearless and believing in yourself were you surrounded by people that were always that always believed in you or was your family like 
the ones telling you you just be my great. family yeah there's a lot of people in the past that never believed that always said you know I'm too small I'm never gonna make it you know look at all those players Maria Sharapova and all those you know uh, look how tall they are Serena I mean Serena Venus, everyone, yeah, everyone's Venus, yeah I mean Kvitova. yeah a lot of people just talked down obviously didn't believe in me didn't want to deal with me thought of me as a joke I guess you can call it but yep. uh yeah my dad didn't give up my mom didn't give up so um yeah they just <laughs> How, how nice does that feel for you in some respects? And also, what do you tell uh, kids that are going to go through exactly what you went through, which is you're not good enough, you're not tall enough, you're not athletic looking enough, you're this, you're that, and like all the things that you probably got told growing up? Well, like I said in my speech, uh, if you have a dream, go after it and fight for it and it's going to happen. Obviously, it's not a guarantee, but if you really, really try to set your mind to it and do everything you can in your ability to make it happen, it's... It's a high chance it's going to happen. And also, I think for you also, do what you can do with what you have, right? Yeah. Because I think that's one of the great things about you is that you don't have the biggest groundies, you don't have the biggest surf, you don't come flying into the net, but what you have is a tremendous, great tennis brain and a great ability to do any shot. That I was told a few by a few times by people, I have great hand-eye coordination. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, luckily it's uh, it's paying off for me. So. Yeah. Okay, so well, I want to go back to, you know, prior to the Australian Open, obviously, what was the most important moments for you sort of to learn about yourself and what, you know, if you go back to the French Open and the victory over Serena, for example, prior to that, what was matches or moments in your career that really you thought, I can do this, like I can really do this, I can play with the big girls? Obviously, when I started, I be- I moved up the rankings. So I obviously believed I can, but I feel like Serena's match and French Open changed everything. I got more confident. I played more free. Um, of course, there's more expectations, but um, yeah, I just believed I can do it. And it was a moment that is obviously never going to forget. You know, of course, I shot an open, and that's uh, two moments I'm never going to forget in my career. Hopefully, I'll have more Grand Slam titles so I can add that to the list. Now, it, it, just on the Serena thing, you actually just recently were on Fed team Cup with her yes, in Fed yes. Cup. Um, talk us through like what that was like to be on the team with her because you wouldn't have spent a lot of time, obviously, around her. Serena is sort of an enigma. In her own world, yeah. Yeah, she just comes and plays and leaves and she has her um, obviously her daughter now mm-hmm. and her f- life and she's super busy. But what was it like to be around her at Fed Cup? I was super excited to be on the team with her, you know, um, yeah, when Kathy told me I'm going to be with Serena, I mean, I followed her career. I know she's been at Fed Cup, so it was super exciting. Of course, I was a bit nervous. I didn't know how it was going to be, but in the end, I mean, she turned out really nice. We uh, we started talking, you know, after I lost my match against Astapenko. She uh, said, listen, you just want to shine open. This doesn't matter, you know. So, so she was... She was really supportive, and it was funny because I was giving her advice, you know, how to play Svastov because I just beat her. Yeah. And then my dad was also... Sivastova, for, for those Americans <laughs> out there. Right, Sivastova, Sivastova. <laughs> But um, so like I was giving her advice to how to play, and my dad was standing and giving advice to Serena Williams, and he was like, "Dad, must have done something right if I'm giving advice to Serena Williams." And yeah. she was taking it. She was, I mean, she could have just easily just said, "Yeah, yeah," or acted like she doesn't care. But I mean, she was taking it, and she was nice about it. And after the match, you know, she, after our doubles we won, she was really excited, and yeah, we said we'll see each other soon in the future, hopefully. So um. I think that's what a lot of people don't understand about Serena is that actually when you do talk to her about tennis or you give her advice, she actually listens. Well, she does, yeah, yeah. People think that she thinks, you know, she's going to think she knows everything and knows how to beat, but Serena's actually quite willing to listen to people. And yeah. I think that's what makes somebody great. Yeah, I think that, definitely, yeah. Are you the type of person that, I think you are, but are you the type of person that can take information from Kathy or your dad or a random person coming up that you know or respect or say, you know, look for this girl's backhand cross court or something. Yeah, definitely. I definitely do want to be told advice. And I obviously respect a lot of people. And of course, if they're giving me advice, I'm not going to say like, no, I don't like, no, I'm not going to listen to you. Of course, I'm going to listen. I'm going to take the advice. Um, of course, I got to do it my way, figure out, you know, if that's the way to do it. But obviously, I'm going to say yes. And I would obviously try to incorporate that. So yeah, yeah, I'm I'm open for advice, of course, and suggestions and everything. And and you're a type of person that can try and implement it, you know. Yeah, when, I do try, yes. Yeah, yeah, and that's important. That's important for young players and young people to hear that you have to listen. Yeah. Like, and sometimes players get it 10 years down the track, but they're like, God, I wish I just listened earlier. Yeah, I don't want to have any regrets. What, what if I should have done? I mean, I actually have, I have a few, you know, I should have. Tell been, me. 
I mean, I don't know, like those matches. I mean, um, in the Fed Cup, when I lost to Sinyakova, I was up, it was a dramatic match. I, um, it was like, I was losing in both sets, or, or like second set, I was losing three love, and I managed to come back and win seven five. Third set, I was down, and I was like five four up, 40 love, you know, match point. And of course, it was Fed, that was the final, and it could have been two one, and Daniel Collins would have been playing against. Um, streak of I think yeah. so um yeah so I lost and it was a heartbreaking match and it was against Kvitova at Miami Open mm -hmm. um a few years ago heartbreaking match you know I was up 14 and 30 15 and emotions <laughs> uh, I, was I just I want everyone at home to realize that you know you think tennis players don't remember anything oh my yeah, god we don't forget anything is the problem unfortunately but I, well, I interviewed Sveta the other day Kuznetsova and she, I asked her if she had any regrets of any matches and of course she being very philosophical, said that they're all stepping stones. It was like a Lego piece for her that she had to put into place to get the results. Do you feel like as tough as those losses were, they're actually super important for you to go through as a player? I guess you got to have tough losses to find a way and how to, you know, recover and do what, you know, figure out what you did wrong. But of course, it's not easy. And those losses are going to be with you forever, I guess. Or not forever, yeah. but until you play, whatever. But um, No, you'll still be remembering Kvitova 4-2, 30-15. I still remember. I mean, yes, of course, it's not easy, those losses. But you got to somehow go through some tough battles and then to find your way and pick yourself back up. Yeah. So cut to um, the Australian Open. Um you had had quite a good end of the year uh, the previous year. Mm -hmm. I know because you beat my player in one match in the final. Um, but I also learned a lot about you in that week. Um, it was incredibly hot in Guangzhou. It took a lot of fortitude to want to stick around and play and keep winning. And like against Sam, you were down a set and a, a tough, a really tough loss in the first set. Um, it could have gone either way. But I think that's when I saw your fortitude as a player is that you refuse to lose that match and I think refusing to lose is actually more important than wanting to win probably yeah, I would say does because that wanting to win you can somehow lose because of all the emotions but not wanting to lose and not get, not losing obviously makes you more you know gives you that uh, fighting mode and once in obviously not wanting to lose so obviously that changes things yeah instead of thinking well it's just maybe not my day today and you just sort of mentally pack it in yeah I mean I've had a few matches where I'm like this is not my day but I obviously try not to think about that I try to still fight even when I'm not playing well I'm not feeling my shots of course I've had matches where I lost because of it and I you know I feel like I'm not playing well and I can't do anything but mm -hmm. I mean right now at least there's more matches where I'm somehow finding a way or, or winning I guess <laughs> no you can say it now I'm just winning a lot Feels no, good. It's fine, I guess. <laughs> well, well, all right. I, I, I want to talk about the Aussie Open and then sort of what happened then after. But go back to the Australian Open and were there certain matches other than the final that defined that tournament for you? And I also want to talk a little bit about the Coco match as well and sort of like the hype around Coco and and then you're sort of like sliding along under the radar. Well, actually, I looked at the draw. It's crazy. So I looked and I saw... I you played, look at the draw? Not like completely, but I mean, you know, I look at, I looked and I saw I'm playing a qualifier first round and I was like, okay, that's not too bad. And then, of course, you know, they have those, the draw where it's like, you're going to see who you play second round match, yeah, even yeah, if yeah. you don't want to. And then yeah. I'm like, oh, if I win, I play Lizette or another qualifier. So I'm like, I mean, it's a pretty good draw. I mean, two yeah, rounds yeah. in the slam. I mean, I shouldn't complain. You know, I've saw, I saw a lot of other matches and it was, you yeah. know, I was like, I should just shut my mouth and not complain. <laughs> and then, of course, I was looking, I was like, mm, what about third round? And I'm like, maybe Sloan Stevens or Schweizerang. And then I'm like, oh, what about fourth round? I know Miyazaka most likely. I mean, because I saw... You really look ahead that much. Not, not to, it's, <laughs> and that's not saying you're cocky. I'm just like, I'm in, I don't know if I'm impressed or shocked that, because a lot of players don't look ahead yeah. at all. Because yeah. for me, for example, like at slams, I never looked ahead, more so in doubles for me, obviously. But I never looked at because I didn't want to know who was possibly in my section mm -hmm. because so many things no, can happen I, I in a like draw. No, I feel like I have to know. I don't want to be surprised and like, oh, God, this is it. You know, I feel like I have to, if I get there, I'm at least prepared and I know like this is, I'm playing. And then you'll be in the fourth round if, you know. Um, yeah. And then quarterfinals, you know, I was, I forgot how I was. Oh, Serena, I was thinking Serena yeah, yeah, would yeah. play Serena. So I was like, oh, shoot, like this is not easy, but maybe I'll get there. So that's incredible. Yeah. That's you don't feel like you're wasting energy on what could could happen. No, no, I obviously don't think about it. I just look and I'm God, like, it must okay. be nice to be young. <laughs> 
And then my dad sometimes is like, oh, you play this person. I'm like, oh, really? And then I act like I didn't know from like, of course I Oh, know. so he thinks you don't look. I guess. He's going to so. know now forever because <laughs> he's going to listen to this. Of course. <laughs> so you get to um, the round of 16, play Coco, correct? Coco, yeah. Yeah. I mean, considering it's in Australia, there's a tremendous amount of hype around mm -hmm. this match. Can you talk us through sort of the lead up to that, like, and what you were thinking and how you were preparing mentally for that? Um, obviously, I was uh, a bit nervous, you know, playing a youngster. Of course, I know she's a lot of hype around her, that she's had a great year and starting off the year really well. Um, mm -hmm. I felt like a lot of expectations from my side. I felt like, I mean, I felt like I had to win, you know, I mean, if you... And that's weird for you, up, right? I mean... Yeah, I mean, I don't like that type of pressure, um, but I had Does to somehow... Anyone? No, I don't think anyone likes it, but I had to somehow deal with it. And of course, I was nervous. I tried to somehow hide it and try to take it. But of course, it wasn't the best in the first set. I started off well, of course, because my previous matches, I didn't start off that strong in the first set. And yeah. especially with Trishang, I was down 3 low. Of course, she's playing really well, yeah. really good. But then, yeah, I started off well, and then somehow things didn't go my way. Of course, of course a lot of people were cheering more for her. And um, I mean, I, I got kind of uh, annoyed by it, but I, I knew I was expected that. So I obviously didn't take it on the crowd. I just tried to somehow block it out. And yeah, it was, uh, it was an interesting match. One of my favorite things about you is when you, and, and I'm not the only one that feels this way, by the way, is when you win a game and you pull that ball out of your tennis pants and you just Throw it on the ground. Yeah, that's that started happening in Australia. It's not. It's not it really? happened before. No, it just happened. I don't know how that happened. But did that become like a habit? They're like, damn it, yes, let's go. Probably, yeah. I mean, against even against Muguruza, I started doing it more. Um, I was like, started winning, and I was like, okay. And I started doing tossing it or throwing it. I mean, I mean, it's just it makes it, everyone would be like, here it comes, here, there it is. Yeah. And that's what Kathy was saying in Fed Cup. You're going to do some ball tosses like that. And I think I did a few times, but not like that. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it really, it's one of my fun, <laughs> the best things about you. This episode of the Racket Magazine podcast is brought to you by Sergio Tacchini, revitalizing and disrupting the status quo since 1966. Follow them on Instagram at SergioTacchini underscore official and go to SergioTacchini.com for more. Enter the promo code RACKETMAG at checkout and you'll get 30% off your order. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So you play, a, you know, Ash Barty. This is like a big deal. You think there's a hype around the Coco match. Well, hell, you're not in Australia when Ash yeah. Barty's playing you. Was that so much better for you, like mentally going into that match, knowing, okay, Ash is supposed to win. She's number one in the world. She's got all this pressure on her. I'm just going to go and play. Or how did you feel about going on that court? Obviously, it was a different mindset. Of course, I know she's number one and I have a lot of respect for her. And um, yeah, it was a little bit different. I obviously didn't go cocky saying, oh, wow, this is going to be so easy. Let's, you know, I obviously wanted to do my best. I wanted to play my best. And I knew that the better I play, the better chance I have to win. Because I mean, I obviously wanted to win. It's not like I came in and said like, oh, let's see how it goes. Maybe I'll get a few games. I mean, I, I was in the semi. So of course, I was going to yeah. do everything I can to leave everything on the court. Um, you know, if I would have lost. And of course, uh, Credits to Ash for playing a great match, but I didn't want to have any regrets there. You know, I got so deep in the tournament and it's not the time to have any regrets there. It would be heartbreaking for me. I would have been even more upset. So 
um, yeah, but then I just try to play the best tennis, try to fight. And of course, as the match was going and I started winning and coming back, then yeah, obviously you saw the belief there and I yeah. obviously wasn't ready to let it go. Yeah, you refused to lose. Yeah. Again. Was, yeah. So, you know, I saw you after that match and um, we got to interview you at ESPN and yeah, I remember you told me you're like um, tomorrow for the finals or after tomorrow um go out there, go with the attitude to win. Don't go just to not win because it's obviously it's one time. You don't know how many times you're gonna have this and everything. And you remember that? I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I can never. I, I can't help myself. I'm. I have to just like. I've just. I've seen so many players in that situation go out and be happy with being in a final. Yeah. As opposed to. Because I mean, I was so excited. I mean, I, I was beyond excited. But then, you know, I knew Magaruza. Um, I mean, I played her in Beijing, so I, I knew what to expect. But obviously, I knew it's going to be different. It's the final. She's playing some. She was playing really well. Really and, well. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to really just enjoy the moment and you know leave, leave everything all out on the court and really not have any regrets there. How was that experience walking onto the court? Because it's quite a it's quite yeah. a scene, right? Yeah. The finals. Oh my God, yeah. I mean, you're kind of hidden away in the locker room. Were you watching the TV or were you just like fully? Like... I was watching it, yeah. When I was so on the you... bike, I could see the stadium. And of course, I was getting uh, adrenaline was going up. I was nervous. I mean, every match, actually, it's crazy. Yeah. You guys are going to love this. Every match in Australia, I was crying before every match. Every match? Literally, before every match. I was, like, I was crying and my dad was trying to calm me down. So you were crying in I mean, the locker in the, room? In the locker room during the before going on. like Just from nerves? Yeah, I mean, that's what Bethany posted on Twitter. Every yeah, match yeah. I've been crying. And yeah. she's like, okay, maybe you should cry before the finals. I'm like, oh, I'm definitely going to be crying before the finals. For so sure. when, did, when, did, when, did the, when did the tears happen? Like Just like uh, after I was biking, you know, just talking. And then I just started. You talking to, to your dad. To my and dad, he's, yeah. And, he's and telling he saw you. I was crying. And so he, we went and he tried to like calm me down and everything. And I was before like, every single match? Yeah. Yeah. I was telling him, this is the match. You got to help me. Like I was literally putting everything on him. <laughs> that's... um. I'm I'm blown away by that. Image. Yeah, it was a lot of emotions and tears that those two weeks. We had to do the same thing. I mean, it was crazy. God, what were what well, were you we were doing? doing the same. I I get that one. <laughs> I had like Indian one time at Wimbledon when I won the doubles there like five nights in a row because I didn't want to change my meal. Which I don't know if yeah, like, Indian is exactly anything, yeah. the right thing to eat for a match, but that was my meal like every night almost. I mean, it worked. Uh, what did you eat? Where would you well, go? I, I don't know what's it called, but it's like that Italian restaurant next to the hotel, the highest, where all the players yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's in the in, in the alleyway. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That's it was, it's so good. The waiter knows me. He knows already what I'm having for dinner, everything. <laughs> you mean, got your own table there now? Not on table, but I mean, we maybe close. Maybe yeah. next year when you go back, there'll <laughs> be like a little booth for you. Maybe. <laughs> I need people to understand how hard that is to do. Like crying is a very emotional thing. Yeah. Your eyes get tired. I mean, everybody's cried. I mean, five minutes later, you're like, I want to go to sleep. <laughs> my eyes are hurting me. Yeah, my eyes hurt a lot if I cry really hard. I wasn't crying that hard because yeah, but, I needed to go on court. I don't want to yeah, be yeah, in tears. Course. But I, it was a little bit, I had to let it out. I knew I, it's better to let it out now than go on court like that. But on court, I try to somehow lock it in and put on my game face and act like I was never crying before every match there. That's amazing. I, I, I you know, people need to know how incredibly emotionally taxing doing this is. And some people, some people obviously keep it in. They don't have a tear come out of their yeah. eye, but they're shitting themselves, yeah. you know, before a match. Do you feel like as soon as you play the first point, though, you're like, all right, I'm good. Let's go. Well, once I started growing up, I started getting used to the crowd and everything. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So you walk out there on that finals, you know, music and the whole like, I mean, the I was just excited once crowd. I came out. I just saw myself go out and enjoy, you know. Of course, I wanted to win. You know, I knew, like, if I would have won, it would have been... It would have been crazy fireworks and everything. It would have been insane. And I just, I wanted to do everything I can to win. But of course, if I wouldn't have won, I'm, I mean, I'm, it was still a great I'm not going to complain, obviously. But, um, yeah. How difficult is that? Because one of the things that I try and stress, even with players that I'm coaching or whatever, or with myself when I played, is detaching from the outcome, right? So you're constantly having to think about not winning. Yeah, yeah. So I always say, when you see a player win, this, that moment that you win, that, that that emotion is the first time you can truly let go yeah yeah of all of that emotion yes, of yeah. the crying for two weeks <laughs> yes. and the stress and the no sleeping yes, and yeah. that moment that to wait before but the two all game 
did you feel like being down love 40 and coming back and you hit like five winners or something? It was a joke how well you played that game from then on. I did mean, you just, say fuck it like at love 40 or were you like... No, I was mad. I was like, what the hell? Like uh, I was holding my serve and I don't want to like... I mean, if it were 3-2, I would have still fought, you know? Yeah, of course. But like still, I was like, I don't want to just... I felt like I was giving up that game. I felt like I was making unforced errors and I was mm -hmm. mad. I was like, it's not the way I want to go. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. It might be 4-2 when I'm putting myself in a tough situation when... You know, I had the game. I felt like I was holding my serve the the whole second and, you know, the beginning of the third set. So, yeah, yeah um, I just, I needed to really come up with something. And then when I held, um, I broke her serve at 4-2. I was like, all right, this is, I'm yes. taking this. Did I you, need to take this. Did one. you feel like that was such a shift? Because it holding. It was a big shift, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember her serve was like 30 all. And it was crazy. She served a really good wide serve on Deuce. It was like second or first, I already remember. And I hit it and it somehow went over the net, like, uh, it hit the tape and then she hit a backhand down line. I was going cross. It was, it was easy. I was surprised. And then she missed it by a little bit. I was like, wow. And then she double faulted. And then I was like, I have to take it. And of course, 40 love, I'm winning. Started off great, everything. And then it's 40 30. And I'm like, shit. Like, do not lose this game. This is not the time to lose. And then I won at 5 2. And I like threw the ball. And I was like, yeah. You, so uh, the, when she missed that easy ball, at you, all, you yeah. immediately said, I okay, have to take this. Like, now, now I realize that yeah, because, she's not superhuman yeah. either. Because a lot of tennis players, I feel like they get in so much in their own shit, what they're feeling, what's going on with them, how much they're choking, how nervous they are. And they forget that this could possibly be happening to the person on the other side of the net. Yeah. Like, and put yourself in the position of like, okay, yeah, this is tough and I'm nervous, but what is she feeling? Yeah. You know, and some people don't realize that. And maybe when she missed that ball, you went, oh. She's just as nervous as me, and maybe even more. Well, she didn't look nervous. I feel like but I was But that's what showing, you feel. Yeah, that's yeah, what you see. Yeah. But you don't, maybe if you go, oh, they're just as bad as me. Maybe yeah. they're worse. Let's go. I mean, she was being uh, pretty calm with her emotions. Of course, she was saying, come on and everything. And mm. uh, after the long, I mean, God, the rallies that we were having was crazy. But um, yeah, I mean, I feel like I was getting a lot of emotions. I was yelling during rackets, you know, <laughs> it was, it was uh, a roller coaster for me that match. Yeah. But in the end, that moment when you won, what? Well, I know it's bad to say, but I kind of wish it would have been like a point and then I hit a winner or she missed. It would have been different emotions. But like, of course, uh, after I won, I, I, of course, I will take anything to win. Yeah, yeah, I, of course. I'll take the double fall. I yeah. told my dad and he's like, well, it's better like this than uh, you, you know, been 5-3 and you would have lost, you know, but... um. It would have been different emotions, let's say like this, if I would have won the point or if she would have missed. Of course. And yeah. not double faulted, but yeah. Well, I can tell you a funny So I hate talking about myself a lot of the time in these because it's it's about you, but I won Wimbledon my my first time in doubles on a double fault from Kim Kleisters. And trust me, when I when she doubled, I went, yes! <laughs> and it's kind of embarrassing because when I look back on the tape, I'm like, you're such an arsehole. Like, why did you yell out? Because at Wimbledon, you know, it's like dead silent yeah, as well. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, I could have been a little more demure about that. Well, so like, I cried. Lisa, I, was... I was with Lisa. Lisa just turned around like, what happened? Literally, if you look at the film, she's like, what happened? I'm like, it was a double. We won. <laughs> so don't feel bad. You, you'll get that trophy. It doesn't matter. Yeah like drained and he was like yeah these two weeks have been I'm so exhausted after and I literally had to like um I was like we gotta go out and celebrate so I went with my agents and my dad we went to like this bar and stuff it was like 2 30 in the morning um we tried to celebrate he's like let's just stay in the room let's just have champagne and then I'm like no we're going out like that's so funny your dad was like I'm done no he was so tired I literally had to beg him to go out but I think but also what people don't know is that after you win then you go do press and I had like you... three hours of press it thank you insane. yeah you you won at probably what did you finish at 10 30 I think yeah was... and then you'd go you go press for like three hours literally yeah yeah it was, it was long and it was funny i came to the press room um because they gave me a champagne and i come in it's like 50 people everyone in every chair i'm like wow great here you go i'm like, popular oh. <laughs> yeah it was uh, it was a bit uh, overwhelming but it was nice i liked yeah. it and then you get up you take the photos the next day i mean i i don't think people realize like did you realize like the day after when you woke up and you just did you just go, did we just do this? This is crazy. Did yeah, I still couldn't believe it. I mean, I mean, it's obviously now and uh, before, after Fed Cup, you know, I obviously understood what happened, but yeah. it was just insane. I just couldn't believe what happened. You know, those pictures, everyone, the photographers, everything. I mean, it was a, 
it was different. Yeah. Christy never experienced that. And it was funny before the finals, uh, Catherine told me, and my dad was there. She's like, oh, in case you win tomorrow, there's going to be a photo shoot. My dad's like, stop it, stop it, leave it alone. Oh, no, she did not say that to you. No, she said it. She's like, oh, if you win, there's going to be a photo shoot. She's like, just to prepare. I'm like, hey, all good. I understand what, I mean, it's normal. Catherine! <laughs> I believe she said that. I wonder if she said it. To, uh, obviously, hopefully, she said it to both. But no, maybe, of course she said it to or both. Or maybe yeah. she just thought you were the one. I think she said it to both. Okay, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm sure she said it to both. Yeah, obviously. But that's crazy. Yeah. So you win the Aussie. You um, you go to Fed Cup. Yeah, I went to Fed Cup. Immediately. I stayed like two days or something. We had the photo shoot, and then I didn't. I could have stayed that long, but um, yeah, that was a hell of a journey. It was long. Yeah. Long, but, uh, yeah, but Fed Cup's been such an important thing for you to. Yeah, to I, really, want I to wanted play. to go. I mean, a lot of people, you know, said you're still going to Fed Cup. Why? And I just, I really wanted to go there. And yeah. I wanted to be on the team and represent. I mean, I, I enjoy Fed Cup. I love being with Kathy, and you know, yeah. we go way back. So I was, yeah. I was ready to do whatever would needed to be done, and I, I was really happy that she gave me the chance to play. I mean, she could have easily not put it. Oh, the, I'm pretty sure that day. you would have been on my list to play. I mean, I figured I would, but I mean, maybe she could have just said, she, I need a break since I traveled. I didn't, I mean, those girls practice already two, three days already on the court yeah. and I had to come and my first practice was, was with Serena. I was like, wow, all right. <laughs> so I was like, shit, I got to really practice well. <laughs> I was like, I don't I can't slack off now. <laughs> so yeah, of course I was tired and, um, but she, it was good during practice. Like she was, uh, she talked about Australia, how everything went. So she was, she was, uh, yeah, she was good. Yeah. yeah she sees you just like her daughter now, you know, I mean. Yeah, she's changed Serena, I think, after having Olympia as well and understanding like how much of a role model she is for yeah. young women and particularly you mm -hmm. who would have looked up to her quite no, I did. significantly. Yeah, yeah. So that's important. So you have this little tough spell like after that, like you lost that match at Fed Cup on the second day, which was a surprise, I'm sure, to you and to everybody else. And then Doha, Dubai, like everyone's like, oh, what's going on? You know, like, yeah, they, it wasn't the best. How tough yeah. though, explain why that's so difficult, like to do week in and week out. Why the respect level for someone like Serena or Roger Novak is so incredibly difficult to, you can't win every week. Yeah. I mean, it was hard. I was obviously exhausted and I had a lot, I was traveling a lot. And obviously I was even with the first match in Dubai against Iraq, you know, like I had the match. I felt like I was playing well. I just. I mean, I guess it was just tired. It was nerves, everything all together, all the pressure and everything. And I get there and they're like, oh, so what do you think about winning this tournament? And I'm like, come on, like, yeah. I'm not going to be cocky and say, yeah, I'm going to win everything. You know, I don't want to establish myself like that. I want to do what everyone's doing, going there to a tournament, trying to win every match for myself. And, you know, happens, happens. If it doesn't, there's many more tournaments to come. How how dif how different did the mindset, though, just because you won a Grand Slam? And like, and look, a lot of people have had difficulties after they won the Slams to then deal with the pressure and the expectation yeah. and you're still so young like you know yeah i'm happy that i won at this age um yeah you just won leon obviously oh so. yeah whatever it doesn't matter um yeah i know but um no it was obviously different i am um, obviously i felt the pressure and everything but i try to didn't do the best to manage it which is understandable and i had a few people after telling me like look you just want to shine and open you're fine like it's just yep. two tournaments you know yep. is everything's gonna be fine nothing bad is happening you know and they're like i'd rather win a grand slam and not win a match and you know so um it was in words of encouragement, obviously, and mm -hmm. obviously some people from WTA told me, you know, also it's not a big deal. This has happened. It's not like it doesn't happen. I'm, it's human, you know. It's not like I'm anything different. So no. I try to somehow lock it out and just. Of course, I was frustrated after Doha. I mean, I didn't have the best match against Yastrzemska. Of course, she played well, which is understandable. She's a great player, playing really well. Uh, obviously, has no pressure against playing. Uh, against yeah, she has no Grand Slam. Yeah, you know, so um. I would have obviously been in that position as well. If I would have played Naomi after she won, I would have, you yeah. know, I would have been flying like a bird. I would have, you know, so. If you can look ahead like 10 years, if you're still playing, obviously, everyone jokes, like, I'm not going to be playing. I'm like, yeah, you just wait and see. Yeah, it's hard to so. let go. <laughs> but like, if you, if there was a group of girls, like that you could be like, have this great rivalry with, would that make it more enjoyable? Like to have these like great matches and great rivalries going ahead with someone like a Naomi or, you know, there's so many young players, even Coco, if she keeps developing. Yeah. And I mean, is that ex more exciting for you to have these great matches? Like, do you relish in those or do you, would you rather win everything easy? I um, mean, obviously easy, but. Yeah, of course, everyone wants to win everything <clears throat> easy, but I guess you got to have those matches, those rivalries with all those players. I mean, Ash and Kvito, yeah, yeah, how Ash, many have they, yeah. they keep, played? And, they play each other every week. It's they like, literally, yeah. yeah, but they have so much respect for each other. And yeah. it's obviously nice to see after the match, they're, uh, they're good. It's not like how 
some other girls can be, you know, um, after the match, they hate each other, they talk crap about each other and all that stuff. So, um, I mean, they handle it well. It's really professionally how they handle it. Uh, Sloan and Madison Keys, that's yeah. an example, a good yeah. example after US Open. You know, Maddie was completely in tears. Of course, I, obviously, I cannot speak for her, but I'm sure she didn't, didn't feel like she played well. And Sloan, no. obviously understood and took the moment and you know really helped her so um so do you, and Venus, i mean there's a lot of people i can mention that so it'd be good to have that i can always compete against them and we can push each other and have each other's backs but right now i haven't found that person and do you feel like it's important for you also with your legacy going forward that you want to be that player that win or lose you are respectful and like that is that part of like what you want to establish as well because yeah, it's important yeah definitely i mean i feel i mean some people obviously tell me that whoever you're playing obviously you respect the person number one but obviously you um you try to use it to your advantage you're, you're still there to win you're obviously showing that you're not going to give up but obviously after the match you respect the person and you respect everything that she's done so i obviously want to leave that i don't i want to be respectful i mean it's a tennis match it's nothing yeah of course we all want to win we all want to do the same thing so it's nothing it's not a secret but um there should be obviously respect after the match you're beyond your years i like it <laughs> um just a little bit on what is the do you think it's important that you have this sort of the russian background with your parents and that growing up um with that influence around you but yet you're very american as well you know you've got your american flag on your racket and you represent so well at fed cup and you've grown up in the united states but that juxtaposition of russian american do you think that that actually has really helped you because i think you know russians have that like i'm going to bite you on the ankle and i'm not going to let go of you Basically, yeah, this, it's, it's a part of Russian inside me, you know, like fierce, competitive, you know, not giving up, fighting for till the end, not, doesn't matter what's going to happen on court, you know, I'm going to fight, but uh, of course I'm happy to represent America, the the great flag, and um, yeah, I'm proud of America, and I cannot say anything else. No, that's great, I think that's great, but I think having that Russian mentality sometimes is also... I still have Russian, people say you always, you have the Russian part of you, so um, that's obviously going to be with me forever, and mm. yeah. Yeah, that's hard to teach. I think for Americans growing up, they have such a great life, right? You know, I mean, everything's not given to them, but they everything's in abundance in the United States. Yeah. But I think your parents probably let you know that it's not always like this. Yeah, they <laughs> you know, basically you should you take this fight for it. And, yeah, yeah, life is not so beautiful. How it's things, you know, there's gonna be battles, tough losses, tough everything, and you gotta somehow find a way to. I back. So a little funny thing happened the other day. You did a photo shoot and the God. photographer asked you to, 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 to wrap your racket or put your, rip my put racket. Your, thank you. I can't even say it. Uh, grip your racket. And you said, I don't know how to. I'm not the only one that doesn't know how to do it. I know. Really? Of, I know Who else of. doesn't know how to grip their own racket? I don't know. <laughs> if you're going to throw people under the bus, you better have a, a oh, name. I'm not going to give names. I don't know. Do you know someone for a fact or are you just making this shit up? I think I know, but I'm not going to throw this person under the bus right now. Without, All right, that's fine. Without um, proof and information. Without proof? Without proof? Are you still going to throw him under the bus? <laughs> I can ask this person. And oh, say, my God. Um, no, well, let's get back to you. You cannot grip your own racket. Have you I mean, tried? I, no, I can. I can. I know. Like, I can't do it. Like, when I was with USDA, like, I tried to, like, grip my racket, and I asked Caroline Dola how to grip my racket. But, I mean, I tried myself. My dad tried to teach me, but I was like, ah, he's doing it. I might as well. That's something that I don't need. I, don't, I, don't I mean, this to. could be the difference maker. If, you know, you're going to move on to another coach, you better start learning how to do your own grip rackets. But my dad's going to be with me anyway. Oh, so you're going to make your dad grip the racket <laughs> anyway. So, Dad, here's your deal. This is your job. Grip my racket. No, my dad's going to be there with me for moral and everything. So <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just giving you shit. I'm just giving you shit. I just can't believe you can't grip your own racket. That's, <laughs> that's kind of funny. If there's one moment with your dad that you could... I mean, listen, we had a funny moment like in Guangzhou last year where they brought a bus and we couldn't get our luggage on there. And the stress. I remember that. Oh, my, oh God. my God. You were so mad. You were like, where in the hell is this bus? I think your dad was madder he than was me. He was also mad. Yeah, yeah. So I think I was trying to de-escalate the situation and get us Ubers. But it yeah. was kind of a funny moment. Like, this is the stuff that people don't see is like all the shit that goes on. I mean, you were in, you, me, Sam, your dad, were like schlepping like six bags onto a train Some and train, going yeah, to yeah. from Guangzhou to Wuhan all the schlepping and taking bags like 100 meters and they wanted to drop us like around the corner and we're like and have no. us walk we're like we don't know where to go like, what are we supposed to do this yeah. is like the stuff that people don't see they think that tennis is so glorious and you're living yeah, this travel, first class I'm always life. having uh 
problems with my tennis bag. Oh, it's too big. You cannot take this bag on the plane. Oh, you got to check in your rackets. And you, you don't want to check in my rackets. They're, you know, it's, I need to play with them. Yeah, this going to break. What am I going to do? Oh, no, no problem. Well, in a couple of years, we'll start sending them maybe. But <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I asked you yesterday what was the worst place you'd played. And we all went through it. Sam said. Yeah. Dothan, she said. She said Dothan. I and said another, Tyler. You said Tyler, Texas. Yeah. Do you remember what it was that was just like? I mean, it was depressing. I mean, I, obviously, I, those are in like these tournaments, but it was completely de depressing. I just wanted to, you know, I was waiting for the week to be over so I could just leave already. I just wanted to be out of that place. You know, it was, it was complete depression. I just, I was there to play a match and that's it. It wasn't even about enjoying it. It just to win, try to get points and never come back to those places ever again. Well, that's the key, right? I mean, you're Literally, playing these yeah. smaller tournaments and you're like, God, I just don't want to go back here. But, you know, this is what people think that you just pop into like the top 50 and you're like playing on the WTA tour. Hell no. You're doing years of like schlepping challenges. And... Yeah. And of course you can tell the atmosphere is completely different. I mean, some tournaments are nice. They they do it well, which I enjoyed. But um, mm. still, I mean, I just wanted to get points and you know my dad was always telling me try to get points and try to do everything you can to stay there because you don't want to go back and it's now of course I don't want to go back well I don't think you're going back my friend I think you're I here to stay that. for a really so. long time um, I look forward to the rest of your career I, I love watching you play I just you're a, a very good inspiration for a lot of kids out there that get told no and you'll never be good enough I mean Ash was the same she was told she's not tall enough she's not you know doesn't look like she could be a player. And then, you know, you're a great example of what it's in. It's about hard work and it's about creativity and you have the creativity on the court, which is so fun to watch, you know, and I think that you don't get enough credit for that part of your game. So I'm just happy to be watching the rest of this great career that you're going to have. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Your dad's calling. <laughs> what the, the deposit? <laughs> Thanks everybody. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of the Racket Magazine podcast. Thanks for listening. Our host is Renee Stubbs. Our co-host and producer is me, Caitlin Thompson. Music by internationally renowned DJ Stretch Armstrong. Thanks to Tim Rogerian and the team at ACAST. Find us at racketmag.com slash podcast and subscribe to us at any of your favorite podcatchers. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.